This is Oscars Playback on the Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce Nang. Joyce, it's time for another edition of Oscars Playback. It's my privilege. Thank you, Joyce. Um, and we're going back to the start of the 90s. <laughs> we, we never, we somehow skipped this one, even though it had you some of the best. in order at all, so. <laughs> no order, no rhyme or reason, but we're doing the 1991 Oscar ceremony, celebrating 1990 in film. What a great year. What a ridiculous Oscar ceremony, Joyce. Uh, I was watching it last night, though, and uh, just really enjoyed it. I thought it's like, again, another, so much better than the Oscars we had this past year. Um, but uh, yes. Billy Crystal's second time hosting happened Monday, another Monday ceremony for you. And also a 9 p.m. ceremony. March 25th, 1991, started at 9 p.m. It was only three hours and 30 minutes, though. So not, not the worst, if you're kind of accounting from that standpoint. 42.7 million viewers, up about 4 million from the year prior. Uh, when Driving Miss Daisy was a controversial winner of Best Picture. But you know what was nominated this year? Goodfellas. And Ghost. (laughs) Ghost. So uh, we'll talk about all this. A great, uh, let's start with 90 in film. Our favorite favorite Wikipedia section, blank year in film. Uh, What a year. Ghost the biggest movie of the year. (laughs) Ghost is the biggest movie of the year from worldwide perspective. Fantastic movie. Uh, was an actual cultural phenomenon, I feel like, at the time. a lot. So I was pretty young here, uh, probably 12, 11 or 12. I turned, <laughs> I turned 12 in 1990. So for most of the year, though. I was 11. <laughs> so a lot of these movies I didn't see in the theater, though I did see, like, I vividly remember seeing, I'll give you some examples, and they're on this list. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, saw Same. that one in the theater. Uh, Home Alone, clearly, saw that one in the theater. And uh, Gremlins to the New Batch, I saw in the theater which I loved. Great movie. Great experience. We'll make, we'll make another reference to that later in this, in this, in this recording. Uh, but Ghost, I did not see in the theater. It was a cultural phenomenon though. And I remember watching it at home uh, on VHS after it came out. Yeah. So I did not see that in the theater. I saw that eventually later on. I don't even know when. And hilariously, I never watched the movie in full again until like two years ago when uh, one of our contributors again, Kevin Jacobson, asked me to go on his pod. <laughs> so what you think? I haven't watched in a long time. Yeah, and I, I rewatched it. Yeah. No, yeah. I like when I watched it the first time, I don't know, like 20 years ago, I guess. Like I liked it. Like it's not like my favorite movie or anything, but I enjoyed it and I liked how it, you know, uh blended all these different disparate genres. It worked really well. I think it's really the chemistry between Patrick Swayze and Libby Goldberg that sells the movie like completely like I care more about them than like him and Demi (laughs) sure uh incredible movie with three incredible actors that I feel like the top of their or ascendant fame right like Patrick Swayze off of Dirty Dancing which I obviously saw a ton of times as a kid um was like a huge star very great personality Whoopi Goldberg just hilarious in this movie I will talk about her a lot obviously uh here for winning an Oscar and then Demi Moore uh, just an iconic Hollywood star, I feel like. And that this is obviously her ascendant moment uh, for, as, a, as a top grossing uh, figure. I, I, love, I love this movie. And we'll also go this list. pottery scene. The pottery scene was obviously immediately, we didn't call them memes back then, Joyce, in 1990, but that was a meme. That was mm-hmm. obviously a meme. Everyone spoofed that. 
later in movies they spoofed it uh everyone referenced it great great moment this is a year actually of a lot of memes if you look at these movies ghost has the pottery meme home alone so much that's my that's my you have to you have to like pull your face down like this Uh, i'm doing i'm doing a i'm doing the thing yeah i'm doing the kevin McAllister. Uh, i don't know it looks like the scream uh what's the screen painting oh that guy yeah you know what mm-hmm. I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but that was a meme. And then Pretty Woman with the with the thing and the Julia laugh. Yeah. Three memes. It's like uh, a big year for like burgeoning stars. Yes. Uh, so the top three movies of the box office were Ghost, Home Alone, Pretty Woman, Dances with Wolves, which was like, obviously Kevin Costner just ascending, betting on himself, uh, directing this movie as a first time director, cleans up at the box office, sweeps through the Oscars, uh, just an incredible moment for Kevin Costner. And also, obviously, he kicks off this decade of the 90s of actors turned directors um, directing themselves in the films, too, and then just dominating the Oscars. Yes. So I don't know. It's funny because, like, obviously, that wasn't a unique phenomenon because you had, like, Robert Redford, obviously, was a film, uh, you know, yeah. didn't direct himself necessarily in Ordinary People, but it was, like, a star who went, you know, an actor who became a director. Clint Eastwood, obviously, a long, successful career as a director and an actor. Yeah. And with Years wing. after this, Unforgiven. Correct. But, like, Kevin Costner was really, like, the poster child for, I am an actor, and now I'm a director, and you will give me Oscars for this. As we saw this in the last one of these, we did Mel Gibson certainly carrying the tradition so I feel like Braveheart is a way inferior film than Dances with Wolves, even though I don't even think Dances with Wolves is 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 great. No, movie. I like I think Dances with Wolves is a better movie than Braveheart, but again, oh, yeah. not not one I revisit or yeah. have revisited. Like uh, I think it's a gorgeous film, but yeah. I don't like care to watch it again. Uh, the other movies on the list here: Total Recall, which obviously was too young for at the time, but has later as a teenager became one of my favorite movies. I still think it's absolutely awesome. Uh, a great Schwarzenegger, Paul Verhoeven movie, just the best. Uh, so many great moments. <laughs> awesome premise, way in. Back to the Future Part 3, another one I saw in the theater because they did this six months after Back to the Future Part 2. So you had to come back to see how it finished up. I think it was now like maybe- what they did with The Matrix. Later Correct. On. Okay. I think, I personally think the Back to the Future sequels are way more successful than the Matrix sequels, even though Back to the Future 3 is certainly the weakest of the three. I'm not a big Matrix person in general, so like I don't like really care about them at all. Um, I don't even did I see the third Matrix? I don't think so. Did you see the fourth? I did not see the fourth. No. Die Hard two next on the list here. Uh, another movie I came to much later in, in life, or not much later, but like a few years later. Obviously, didn't see it in theater. Absolutely love this movie as well. You'll be shocked to know, Joyce. The Die Hard movies, the first three. All of them are great. Die Hard 2, I think, is hilariously good. I remember there was a, 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 a Bruce Willis kills a, a, a henchman by stabbing him in the eye with an icicle. Uh, and I'm that's like burned in my brain because yeah, it's so, so violent. This is like also the era when like the sequels just like went bigger. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And like, that's why like these sequels are good. <laughs> yeah. Die Hard Even 2- if like they don't make sense. No, but this one kind of makes sense. It's a great movie. Uh, Rennie Harlan directed this and Ford Fairlane, and they came out within the same week, basically. July 4th for Die Hard, Adventures of Ford Fairlane, another movie I saw on VHS, Andrew Dice Clay at the height of his mania, uh, starring in a movie that's completely inappropriate and problematic. If I ever was going to revisit it now, I'm sure it would just be, I think if you try to rent it on Amazon or any streaming service, it probably just disintegrates at this point because it's so toxic. But uh, I mean, like, is it even there in the first place? Who knows? But that was uh, one I remember watching at home. Presumed Innocent, Harrison Ford, uh, in his well, like, presumed innocent. yep, in his like legal thriller, uh, era, you know, his 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 era there. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, as we mentioned, loved it. Big fan. 
love those Dumbo's Ninja Turtles, and then Kindergarten Cop, which I did not see in the theater, but obviously saw later. I was obsessed with Kindergarten Cop, obviously because there's a Joyce in it, and nice. that was the first time I had like watched anything with a character with my name because wow, not a lot of characters. No, not a lot of Joyces. No, um, as we've established before. So yeah, yeah. yeah that so, goes through that list. That that's the top grossing list of movies, and then there are dozens of movies this is a another phenomenal year where not only the oscars the sales the ceremony is better the winners are better but the movies on a whole are just like man there are a ton of movies i was making a list here and i just kept writing movies down. <laughs> like it's an unbelievable year you have everything from like obviously like we mentioned like uh these these top hits dick tracy gremlins 2 like i mentioned tremors hard to kill with our favorite steven seagal joys i actually have i'm gonna do a little a little prop work here the VHS of Hard to Kill sitting wow. right here on my desk. How long did it take for you to dig that up? I have it here because I got, uh, for Christmas, somebody gave me as a novelty gift a, the VHS box subscription for like three months. And that was one of the random VHSs that came. So, yeah. it not, so it just sits here on my desk. I have a lot of VHSs, but I don't have a VCR. I have VCR. I took it from my parents, actually. Next time you, if you ever come over, we can watch a VHS right here right here yeah because also i used to in in college i had my tv was like a dvd player vcr combo sure and then obviously very popular graduated uh moved it back into like my parents house but they've since gotten rid of it because they're like i'm not keeping this thing it's like 500 pounds (laughs) um other movies that i was like uh quick change bill murray uh randy quaid and gina davis so fraught perhaps now from a cast perspective but a fantastic one crazy night New York City movie. The Freshman with Marlon Brando. Young Guns 2, which is an actual Oscar nominee. Yes. Oscar nominee. Should have, should have probably won that song. I think we'll talk about that. And I think I agree, even though it's nice that Stephen Sondheim has an Oscar. Uh, Mo Better Blues, Two Jakes was like a big deal, even though it was like, even for me as a 12-year-old, I knew it was like a sequel to Chinatown. It was like covered by the, the Hollywood tabloid shows, certainly, you know, like Entertainment Tonight and stuff. Uh, My Blue Heaven was a favorite of mine. You remember that one? Um, yes, but I have not rewatched it in years. So I rewatched. I haven't watched a lot of these movies in a really long time. As I was like going through, I've rewatched some of them. So my blue heaven, I rewatched uh, from uh, Nora Ephron. Like, like look who's talking to. I watched that so much when I was a kid. It doesn't dozens of I have times. Not watched that in a lot. Mermaids, love that Mermaids, when I was a kid. Great. Uh, yeah. Home Alone, we mentioned. I Miller's Crossing was one I definitely didn't know about at the time, but like as a as an older person, loved the Coen Brothers movie. Completely excellent. A, a random. Here's a couple other ones. Desperate Hours, Michael Cimino movie with uh, Mickey Rourke as in, in a remake of the uh, Humphrey Bogart movie, and I think the the lead is actually also uh, Anthony Hopkins. Right? Isn't that right? Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, Mickey Rourke and is it Mimi Rogers? Mickey Rourke, Mimi Rogers, Anthony Hopkins, Kelly Lynch, Lindsey Krause, David Morse, uh, Shawnee Smith. And I remember it's incredibly violent. I remember being like, this is this is subversive for me as a 12-year-old to see this. Uh, let me let me see. I just lost my place here. Uh, Home Alone, like, The King of New York, another one I did not see at the time. Abel Ferreira, uh, Christopher Walken movie, but great. Men at Work, which is a uh, Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez. Yeah, I, I mean, you know how I feel about Emilio. So, and this is pre Mighty Ducks too. Pre Mighty Ducks, and it just is like great fun. Uh, House Party, Joe versus the Volcano, which obviously came after. Um, it's before. It's before. it's their their first comp uh, collab. Correct. 
but okay. uh, and not well received but i mean i actually watched this one a lot too honestly it was on a lot on cable hunt for red october which i was never into the tom clancy stuff but there you go tremors i think i mentioned hunt for red october's uh accents are wild correct yeah and then uh two two maybe fraught ones which we'll talk about during this obviously uh bonfire of the vanities which is a colossal failure uh on, on multiple levels and so much so that there's a book about it obviously uh the devil's candy uh, that they turned into a podcast this last last year. Um, Brian De Palma just totally, uh, totally uh, unmatched, uh, overmatched maybe perhaps. Uh, but uh, great. Uh, and then the Godfather Part Three, Joyce, which has had a, a reevaluation. I feel like Godfather Part Three is always funny to me because when everyone talks about the Godfather and especially. Uh, in March, you know, for the, the 50th anniversary of the first movie. You know, everyone talks about that, obviously, and the sequel, but no one brings up part three. So I'll tell you this. I love part three. Actually, I think it's pretty good. Of course you do. It's actually, so here's the thing. It's not as good as the Godfather or Godfather part two, clearly. And even I think the Coppola re-edit of it is improvement on part three, but part three on its own is actually pretty, pretty solid. And uh, gets a bad rap because I just think people are like whatever and also it came out obviously in the shadow of Goodfellas which we have not even mentioned yet but there are, no you already mentioned it <laughs> because I mentioned it right like 10 minutes ago <laughs> uh, there was just a lot of um mob movies there's a lot of mob movies and also Goodfellas I think was like a breath of fresh air where it felt like the Godfather was like the staid uh kind of stale uh, conceit and like people are more the, the way that this Goodfellas shows the mafia in this like really uh sexy like kind of you know uh underground like the the guys on the ground with their noses in it getting it done versus like the the uh rarefied air of michael corleone i think people were more into that like gritty take on the mob than the i don't think it's it, it's been so long since part two because at this point it's like 16 years right yeah 16 years right which is not and that long joyce we're still like 16 years ago we're like you know what are we talking about here not that long 16 years like from right now is yeah. 2006 yeah we still talk about movies that happened in 2006 though yeah but like like making sequels to a film from 2006 i'll okay. take the departed part two i guess but it, it's it's like it's kind of like how i don't like like we were talking the other day like offline about like the screams like i saw the first three screams right in the theater but right. you know it like there was such a long gap until like four like i've never seen scream four or five and i'm saying like you should scream four was great and scream five is I, like, I don't care to like oh they're awesome just, movies like, though they're really yeah, good. i don't care to and, and i'm disappointed for you because uh scream three stinks it's clearly the worst one you ended on i never said i like scream no 3, i'm just saying you ended good. on good. i'm just saying i like i saw those three because they were like successive within like a three-year span right. and then it was such a long gap so i think like maybe like there is you know maybe not a lack of excitement because i think like people were anticipating it but it's also like oh it's been 16 years like we also moved on and we have like another mob movie here and like dick tracy also right like a mob movie too yeah this is like a great moment for mob stuff because you also have like i mean even like i mean bugsy you'll have in a few you know what i mean like there's a lot of yeah, billy backgate right there's a lot of it's, mafia it's great stuff. because you have um warren Beatty who started dating madonna Yes. Dick Tracy. And then he is like literally making Bugsy like at the time of the ceremony with Annette Benning, who like presents on the show. And then obviously they get together. <laughs> Correct. Uh, so yeah. So 
that's a year in film. I mean, this is a great year. I, I'm sure I, me- I didn't even mention a ton of these movies. You didn't mention gonna, Postcards from the Edge. So that's I was going to mention that obviously when we do the uh, when we do the categories and stuff. But Postcards from an ed- the Edge, another movie. Obviously, I came too much later. I did not see it. And Edward Scissorhands, which got nothing. Edward Scissorhands, another movie. But also, I, I have not seen that in a really long time as well. No, I think that's I would, the movie I've seen the most from 1990 is Home Alone. Home Alone, and I rewatched Home Alone like last year. Maybe holds up great movie i watch it every year like every christmas multiple just, times just one and two movie. i don't watch three obviously i'll give you a couple other ones uh that i just uh, that i personally were like these were movies that were on a lot there's a movie called side out joyce you ever see that one no side out is with c thomas howell and peter howell i believe who is uh you might know from uh oh peter horton excuse me I apologize. Peter Horton, who you might know from 30 something something, and Harley Jane Kozak and Courtney Thorne Smith. And it is basically like the concept. I'll read the Wikipedia here quickly. It's a sports drama about a beach volleyball competition, which is basically then it ends up being what if Top Gun volleyball scene, but a sports movie. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Uh, Absolutely loved it as a kid. Was on a thousand times. So are you saying in four years we'll have like dogfight? football perhaps oh. would be called i don't know side in i don't know what you would call it i don't uh, know the rules of like dog fight football so. never even heard of it but uh until top gun maverick but yeah so side out great movie saw it a ton uh that was one i was like oh i remember that one uh the earnest movies are here Ernest goes to jail another one that was on a lot yes. um and then what was the other one i was looking at oh crybaby which was on again a lot as a, it's, and this is like a big a interesting year for a lot of actors because this is like an ascendant year for Johnny Depp. I feel like obviously with Edward Scissorhands and The Crybaby. Schwarzenegger obviously has two movies in the top 10. Um, you mentioned Julia Roberts here, Kevin Costner breaking out, I think in a big fashion, even more so than like Field of Dreams era Kevin Costner. I mean, just like one after the other, these are like major stars. Tom Cruise uh, marries Nicole Kidman, has Days of Thunder. And is, according to Billy Crystal, as we'll find out here later, uh, some people say there are no real movie stars anymore. I say they're wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Cruise. I'll tell you what, it's ni- it's 2022. Is that what year we're in? And you can still yeah. say the same thing. Well, the, the announcer on the red carpet calls it like one of America's favorite movie stars or something. Yes. yes. Uh, so one of the start. only things that are is still accurate and factually correct because the announcer also called ron silver an academy award winner for some reason so this is uh let's start there so the ceremony starts with the red carpet announcer uh this is we've done a lot of these actually right probably like six or seven uh this is the worst one by far just completely a disaster so many factual errors so many offensive things and then also just ignoring people did you notice that you were texting me a lot last night so i'll let you take you start and then i'll, I'll mention the ones i wrote down as well but uh there this is just a rough beat it, it, yeah, so Oprah's not here, and, no. uh, unlike uh, the one we did last week. Right. Um, so, yeah, so they say two-time nominee for Best Actress, Whoopi Goldberg. When did she get her second Best Actress nomination? Because she's nominated for Supporting Actress here. Um, yeah, and then here's Ron Silver, Academy Award winner. Since when? No Academy Award, not even nominated. You couldn't even be like, oh, he was nominated for no, Rose and Fortune. not Ron Silver, West Wing, right, all time. Right. right. Um, and then just Brenda Fricker, period. Like nothing, just. I'm surprised like, that you even not, were able not to Not even Academy Award winner, Brenda Fricker, just Correct. Brenda Fricker. 
Because she's the reigning Best Supporting Actress winner. Yeah, here to present (laughs) to Joe Pesci and nothing, just Brenda Fricker, period. Yes. This one is actually good, though. A sure nominee for next year's Oscars, Anthony Hopkins, because Silence of the Lambs had already been out for six weeks at this point and killing it. So that is that was a fun thing watching the ceremony. Everyone knows that Silence of the Lambs is going to dominate the following year, and they really play into it. Yeah, and like they obviously they were like, we got to get Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster on this year's show. They present screenplay. They play the Silence of the Lambs music. Uh, Obviously, they're like very prominent. I think in the ceremony, it's a great moment, and it's like, oh, it honestly reminds me of how they handled the Black Panther the year it was out, and then the year later, basically. Mm -hmm. This one is just uh, sad. Five time nominee Glenn Close. Mm, tough beat yeah this one just <laughs> you know how we've said like they usually talk about uh the actress's looks yes this one is twice nominated for her enormous talents deborah winger so twist yes um but yes mm-hmm. the next one is the next one you wrote me i'll just uh the pretty woman herself mm-hmm. julie roberts so not yeah. always to talent <laughs> yeah and then Heavily nominated, multi-talented Kevin Costner. Heavily nominated. Heavily nominated. Okay. Uh, the ones I yeah. had written down, so they go with the Tom Cruise, like you mentioned previously, one of America's favorite actors, Tom Cruise. He's with Nicole Kidman. They don't even mention Nicole Kidman. Just, that's it. She just might as well not even exist. And this is a theme here in a few in a row. They later uh, completely whiff on Daniel Day-Lewis. He's standing there. He won Best Actor the year before, and they don't say a thing. He just it's, is, it's there's like- Daniel Day-Lewis. No one saw my left foot. No, but I mean, okay. And then uh, <laughs> Julie Roberts, the pretty woman herself, is with Kiefer Sutherland. They were together at the time. Engaged. Doesn't get mentioned. Doesn't no, doesn't exist. And then Richard Gere, star of Pretty Woman with Cindy Crawford, also not mentioned Cindy Crawford. I just think it's weird that they're not even referencing the other people when they're actually famous. I don't know. Yeah, and it's also funny because even though this is five years later, but like uh, last week when we did... Uh, the ceremony in 96 and Meryl Streep was nominated and they literally say like, you know, best actress nominee, Meryl Streep, pause. She's with her son. Right. It just anything <laughs> like, would have been better than like, these whips. Her son. Yes. Uh, yeah, this this one, another we... one is the legend, not only at Oscar time, but all year long, Mr. Bob Hope. But this time they did identify his wife and his wife, Dolores. There you go. Uh, here's an, here's one that would get immediately canceled at, uh, they show uh, Rodney Grant, who is a cast member of Dances with Wolves, and they say Graham Greene from Dances with Wolves, who is a nominee. They don't even mention that, I don't believe. Or do they mention Oscar nominee Graham Greene? Um, I think they did, but it was a rough one because you could tell they were struggling and they, they didn't know and they were just trying to find words to yes. say. Because there's yeah. I, 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 the, and the and clearly like, oh, here's a Native American actor on the red carpet. It must be Graham Greene, clearly. Who else would it be? That, that face of the tone of this. It's completely <laughs> offensive. Yeah. Uh, and then this one I just laughed at a lot. They have Al Pacino and Andy Garcia yucking it nothing. up. <laughs> they, nothing. And then pause, pause. Two of the stars of Godfather Part 3. Yes, just two of them. I don't know what their names no are. Names, no names at all. It doesn't matter. It's totally fine. Uh, so that's how it opened. So it, and it, and uh, an auspicious debut, I would say, right? Uh, for, for this uh, ceremony. But then we get out there, Carl Malden comes out to uh, plug Traveler's Checks, I believe. And then also uh, the Lumiere. Uh, Carl Malden also, uh, he talks, so it's the centennial yes. of the invention of the camera or a, a version. Um, so he says, like Thomas Edison basically invented the camera, quote, a hundred years ago, 
1981. Transpose the numbers there. So, yeah. Uh, and this is now a runner of the whole ceremony. They throw to uh, Michael Caine. I'm Michael Caine. That's my Michael Caine impression, Joyce. This is in Paris at 3.15 a.m. <laughs> it's 3.15 a.m. in Paris. Now I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know what the voice is. And uh, he's in a theater, supposedly live on satellite, even though he's got like a bunch of extras dressed as 1901 uh, or whatever year it is. What year is this supposed to be? 18, it's supposed 1891. to be 1891. Uh, dressed like they're watching the first film. Oh, uh, no, no. The first movie was played in 1895. Okay. Say. So that's where they are. They go back in time with people dressed up. I don't know why any of this is happening, why it needs to be where it is, why it wasn't just pre taped You know, the, like themes were a big thing um, in this decade. Yeah. As so this was the theme, like they were just celebrating the origin stories of movies. Correct. It was the centennial of the camera. So now we're about like the movie making camera. 15 yeah. minutes into the ceremony, it hasn't even started yet. There is a dance number too, I believe that I didn't even watch because it opens up with Debbie Allen choreo choreographing uh, Jasmine Guy uh, doing mm -hmm. like a, a interpretive dance of the movies, which they come back later and do during score even. So mm -hmm. I, that so all of this happens. We're I, I miss the that. interpretive dances. Honestly, I, I enjoy them. So. I would say I did enjoy it with this score. But uh, so Billy Crystal comes out uh, with a horse. He's plugging city slickers, which will later be come out and make a lot of money. Good for him. Great movie. Uh, and he does the car alarm with the horse. Now, Joyce, I've watched a lot of these recently. Is that a runner that he has done, or am I just like conflating it all into this one? Has he done that before? In like other ceremonies? Yes. Did he do the car alarm thing in other ceremonies? Because it was like. I don't. Okay, so that. then this is just this one. I like I said, I've watched a lot of the Billy openings, but uh, he does the car alarm thing because boop boop was like a fun. Uh, that's like a, a novelty at the time. Yeah, boop boop. So on his horse, he uh, uh, comes out he, again. A lot of uh, some politics shows. He's back for a second time. A few Desert Storm jokes. He has just an incredibly stupid joke about uh, faxing Madonna because mm -hmm. faxing was like a thing and also it sounds like fucking so then it kind of like that's the the play on and madonna words. was there with michael jackson correct michael jackson is at this oscars burying the lead perhaps uh this one you sent me i love the two jeremy irons was nominated for reversal of fortune the donald trump story and we never wow. could get away with from our former president donald trump yeah uh mm -hmm. he talked Future about former president yeah uh i would say i thought this is i texted you this i honestly think this is of what the ones we've watched this is his second one. So it's like, he's definitely like into it, but not nervous. And I think the songs- like They asked him back because he was successful the first time. And I think the songs are the best that he's done. It's, it helps that the nominees for best picture are great, but he's got Goodfellas to Goody Goody, Dances with Wolves to uh, Dancing in the Dark from the Bandwagon, Ghost to the Tune of Love and The Godfather Part Three to the song, the love theme from Godfather Part Three, Godfather, and then Awakenings, a uh, tune of All the Way. All of these are great. He has one line that I wrote down that I thought was so funny because even now he goes, put Duval in Godfather Four, which is a hilarious reference because basically, so Godfather Three brings back Pacino and Talia Shire. Uh, and Duval was like, no. <laughs> Duval, they undercut on pay. And he was just like, fuck you, I'm not doing it. And it actually really hurts the movie because they replaced Duval with George Hamilton. And no disrespect to George Hamilton, who seems like a very nice man, maybe. But oh my gosh, he cannot replace Duval there with George Hamilton. There are several casting replacements in Godfather Part Three. Yes. Well, certainly most famously, obviously, Sofia Coppola plays uh, yeah. Michael's daughter instead of like Winona. Uh, because Winona, she was exhausted from yes. mermaids. Yes. yes. Correct. Um, 
but yeah, I was like, oh man, if that, that's a really funny joke that even now, and that's something that obviously like has lived on, but then even at the Oscars, Billy Crystal's like, Duval should have been Godfather part three because you really needed him and you need the character. He dies off screen. It's very silly. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's the, that was all I got down for Billy. Anything else you noted for his opening? No, I like the opening. Um, it's, it's like perfectly Billy and yeah, the songs were good. Songs are really good. It's yeah. Very fun. Uh, yeah. So we open up with our first award of the night choice uh, is Best Supporting Actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denzel Washington comes out. It's great seeing him. One last year. I love seeing young Denzel. It's just a, just a uh, treat because now obviously you see him and he's a, he's a 60-year-old man. Not, not as young as he used to be. But he comes out. He's great. He's that's, like, that's what happens. You age. Yeah. Aging is tough. And uh, Whoopi Goldberg wins. And Joyce, I absolutely love this she is thrilled you know i think nowadays it's like it's certainly like anne hathaway got dunked on for being like it came true and like the world is just shitty and people don't are mean to everybody and everything stinks but whoopi's thrilled and she lets people know she's thrilled for winning for ghosts i absolutely she was love always it. very open about wanting to win and like and she talked about how like i mean she became the first black woman to win since hattie mcdaniel yes, for gone yes. with the win so she's first black uh, woman. Came out in 1939. So, <laughs> so decades later, her speech is incredible. I, I pulled it up. I just want to read it. She says, thanks ever since I was, she's like, literally they show her and she's like, yes, like in the crowd. It's so cool. The winning reaction shot rules. And then she's like, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted this. You don't know. My brother's sitting there saying, he's saying, thank God, we don't have to listen to this anymore. You can do it now. My mom's home. Everybody's watching. And she thanks Paramount and Jerry Zucker, uh, who's the director who was snubbed in best director. And I think probably should have gotten nominated. I have to thank Patrick Swayze, who's a stand-up guy. I went to them and said, I want to do it with her. I want to thank Demi, period. And then I want to thank everybody who makes movies. I come from New York. As a little kid, I lived in the projects and you're the people I watched. You're the people uh, I wanted, who wanted me, made me want to be an actor. I'm so proud to be here. I'm proud to be an actor and I'm going to keep on acting. And thank you so much. Great speech. It's a great moment. It's honestly one of my favorite, one of these speeches that we've seen. I just thought everything about it was perfect. Yeah, her speech is one of the ones I rewatch a lot. So because it is one of like the genuinely thrilled and excited reactions that you really don't get anymore these days because yeah. everyone's trying to act cool or like it's like expected. And also, you know, we didn't have a lot of precursors back then, you know, SAG did not exist yet. No. And I would say a theme from the acting winners is that almost all of them, with the exception of Joe Pesci, who is very humbled, uh, expresses immense joy of having won. They're like, I wanted this. I wanted to win. And Kathy Bates says it later. She's like, I've waited. I've been waiting a long time to say thank you to the Academy. Like she's yeah. straight up like, I want to win. Yeah. Even- and then you think about, you know, back when like Shirley MacLaine finally won, she basically said the same thing, you know? And then even like, uh, I think even uh, Jeremy Iron says it too. He's like, oh, this is great. Like nowadays, I don't think you get that kind of like open enthusiasm. Because like people come for you when you act like you want it, right? right. Or like that's what happened to Anne Hathaway. Right. I think Anne Hathaway started that and people were like, oh, I don't want to get Anne Hathaway. So I can't actually pretend I want this, even if you yeah. do want it, which stinks because yeah. they should want it. It rules. Win an Oscar. Like that's Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, why are you campaigning then if you don't want to win this? Uh, so Joyce, do you want to keep going through each winner or do you want to do the categories or how do you want to do this? We always, I always get confused at how we want to do this. Just go into the best picture. <laughs> Great. Uh, so the best picture we said, the nominees were uh, Dances with Wolves, which had 12 nominations, I believe, wins seven. 
just an outrageous haul. Uh, Goodfellas, six nominations, uh, wins one Oscar, Travesty. Awakenings, uh, which had, I think, six or seven nominations. Oh, no, sorry. Awakenings had three nominations. That's the other best picture. Uh, and Ghost, and then The Godfather Part Three. Those are, those are the five best picture nominees. Dancing Wolves wins. Yes, not surprising. <laughs> not surprising. Immediately did not age well. And while I'm sure Dancing Wolves is a fine movie, I haven't seen it in a very long time. Goodfellas is the, one of the best movies ever made. That it should not. That it should have won an Oscar. Clearly, best picture. I mean, it didn't win an Oscar, just not best picture. <laughs> it needed to win best picture. That's what I mean. Uh, it's just the best. It's the best. It's the best movie. We're doing this a, a few weeks here after Ray Liotta died, sadly, uh, and it's just an amazing movie. There are no notes. I've seen that movie more than any movie probably in the history of movies. Choice personally. Wow. Um, I last saw Goodfellas um, in college. So this is like 16 years ago. Wow, Joyce. No, yeah. I, and because I took an Italian-American like, in film class, which is as an elective, because I needed just electives to like, finish college. Um, and yeah, so we watched a lot of Scorsese picks, including this. So that was the last time I've seen Goodfellas. I would say it's honestly the perfect movie. I know when we did this for Pulp Fiction, it was like, I was like, oh, I think Pulp Fiction is my favorite movie. Goodfellas is absolutely my favorite movie. I take it back. No offense to Pulp Fiction. It's like my second favorite. Uh, The Goodfellas is no notes. And I think it could have gotten, it should have gotten a ton of more uh, Oscar shine. And clearly this was the moment when the Oscars were not into Martin Scorsese, right? Like that was like the narrative. That was the thing. And he was another person to go with the Whoopi Goldberg thing like we're talking about. He actively wanted it and was mad that he wasn't getting it, right? Like, I mean, you sent me those quotes. He was like, yeah, disappointed. Yeah, like, yeah, because you, you don't have the version of Inside Oscar that you need. No, as you said, Joyce, I'm so like, bad at this, I think. You are bad. Tell me. So, because uh, we, we've already went through several years with you not having- um, I don't have this, the, my book ends, it's time to, one of the ones I have- You need a 10th anniversary edition. I need the 10th anniversary, and I'm not buying it again. I'm just not doing it. You're so bad, Joyce Ng, to me on text, thank you. I know, I just uh, send you like screenshots of uh, select. Excerpts. No, but you have like, we, we were talking about in the thing, it was about Martin Scorsese, certainly, and like how. Uh, yeah, so this is this is how the chapter ends. Um, so obviously, Goodfellas does not win Best Picture. And then, so Janet Maslin denigrated Academy as, quote, an organization capable of deeming Kevin Costner a better director than Martin Scorsese. Uh, parentheses, the evening's single biggest outrage, close parentheses, end quote. Gene Seymour of Newsday demanded to know, quote, what is it going to take? What wheels does Martin Scorsese have to grease? Who does he have to buy off or knock off, end quote? A premier, blah, 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 angry. Yeah, they said Scorsese was angry and disappointed um, and that he told the magazine, quote, I wish I could be like some of the other guys and say, no, I don't care about it. But for me, a kid growing up on the Lower East Side watching from the first telecast of the Oscars, there's a certain magic out there, end quote. Two Scorsese veterans expressed their opinions. Harvey Keitel reasoned that, quote, maybe he got what he deserves, exclusion from the mediocre, end Incredible, quote. incredible Taxi quote. drivers Jodie Foster said, quote, when you look at the 10 old ladies who put down dances with wolves instead of Goodfellas, I don't know. The Oscars are like bingo. Who cares? End quote. 
Jody will not, not uh, when she wins next year for Silence of the Lambs. And it's he's already great. an Oscar winner too. I already <laughs> is an Oscar winner. Here's the other quote I was going to, you know, this is what he was saying. Like people like saying that, like, oh, like who cares? Your movies are great. It doesn't matter. Right. That kind of thing. But he, here was another one you sent me. I have to go back to the night 10 years ago when he lost for Raging Bull. Ordinary people. Ordinary people uh, to Robert Redford, because that was when I understood the kind of pictures I would be making maybe outside the mainstream of Hollywood production. Still, Hollywood's highest honor is the Oscar. And you can't just say it isn't given accurately. John Ford has six. So he really, it does mean something to him. Like the history of Hollywood, there are great winners. In the mid, the terrible winners, like Driving Miss Daisy. Even like, from the mediocre. <laughs> even amid the mediocre, there are really legendary people who won yeah, Oscars. sometimes, as we've talked about, they get it right, like Silence of the Lambs. Right. And this yeah. time they did not get it right. Now, I will say, if you look at Scorsese's filmography going into Goodfellas, like, I'm not surprised necessarily that he did not win for it because like he said the movies he was making are not necessarily the the mainstream i think raging bull you could argue should have won it definitely could have won best director i would say over robert redford uh an ordinary people but i think ordinary people is actually a great movie as well and i, think I love ordinary movie, people i think as a movie it might actually hold up more than raging bull slightly king of comedy he comes out is now a beloved movie but it was completely denigrated at the time. After Hours, it's so much so that he like went into a spiral of depression. Comes back with After Hours, which is a very small scale uh, comedy. Another one that has aged really well and that people love. Uh, then he does Color of Money, which is like a mainstream Tom Cruise, Paul Newman wins an Oscar movie, but not really him. Last Temptation of Christ, which is like the most controversial thing at the time and spent a lot of capital and like on that. And then he comes back with Goodfellas. So it's like, it's not like anybody was like, oh, Martin Scorsese is due maybe in the Academy at the time, right? Like I think Goodfellas helps kicks off the narrative that actually we should give him. Like when he doesn't win for that, it makes it easier to go, we got to give him an Oscar one of these years. Yeah, like I obviously was not following this at it as it happened back then in 1991. Um, but I do, I think like, you know, now it's easy to say, you know, when he finally won for Departed, it's like, Oh, he was overdue. But at that point, I, his biggest loss was just to Robert Redford and ordinary people, right? So then you could say like he, like I think he should have at least one director, even if like Goodfellas wasn't going to win Best Picture, right? And I mean like, um, and in the years after Goodfellas, like none of these movies are necessarily going to get him there, right? So it was like Cape Fear was right after, great movie, popcorn entertainment. And then you get Age of Innocence, which was completely different. Age of Innocence was completely different. Uh, Casino, which again has aged better than it. the response at the time was that it was like Goodfellas too. People didn't really care. Kundun, which was like another completely left field move from him. Bringing Out the Dead, which was like a gritty indie, even though dressed up. Then he comes back with Gangs of New York, which is like a decades long passion project pushed by Harvey to try to win. He doesn't win. Then The Aviator, another like massive passion project with Leo, pushed, doesn't win. And then The Departed, which is like a great movie. I know you agree. Nobody's going to denigrate The Departed in this podcast, certainly. The, yeah, and then the, it was like, it was finally his time. And, you know, they got George Lucas, Spielberg, and Francis Ford Coppola to yes. present Best Director. And I'm like, guys, this He is better win. That was, yeah. That's the Steven Soderbergh move. Sometimes it yeah. pays off. Sometimes It, it, it wasn't the last category, though, but they, they did that. Sometimes and it pays off. He sometimes. finally won, but... Yeah, like it just had, it was, you know, there was enough time at that point that had passed that like he hadn't won and he had been overlooked. But like back in like 91, it was just like ordinary people beating it basically, right. um, Raging Bull basically. So, and I, 
I think like the vibe of the Oscars and like the membership at the time just would not give a movie like Goodfellas. No, it was it was kind of wasn't like a phenomenon or anything really. No, you know, like the Lambs. It wasn't like a Science of Lambs, and certainly from a box office perspective, it was like a relative disappointment, and people did not like it. Some people, like the, the ending is polarizing, or it was. I remember like the studio, like the test screenings were like, holy cow, get me out of this movie, even though it's like the best part. But uh, I mean, the other thing is, if you look at the competition, the years he wins, it's like, or the years that he could win, right? Like um, Departed is a fantastic movie. It's honestly like top three Scorsese for me. I absolutely love it. I've watched Departed it a million times. I, I watch that all the time <laughs> it's a great movie i don't i'm not here for people like revision revisionist history on the departed rules and jack nicholson rules and when we talk about that one we'll, whatever I'll, I'll be stumping for him winning supporting actor maybe but uh the fact that remains that year's best picture lineup was pretty soft so it was an easy way to get him a win you know what i mean like i think if the departed was up against dance with wolves it would still be dance with wolves you know what i mean like it's like th- there was no alternative well, is it like the departed competing in 1990 or like Dances with Wolves competing in 2006. I think Dances with Wolves competing in 2006, Dances with Wolves would still win. I think it's like the traditional Oscar movie that would win. I don't think Scorsese, when he's up against like a big bold face, like melodrama, like Ordinary People or like Epic, like Dances with Wolves can compete. But when he's up against like a the Little Miss Sunshine is like the, the top alternate pick. It's like a small family comedy that's not going to cut it. You know what I mean? I just think like that's partially why he won for Departed. Yeah. I mean like that, like the 2000, I, I like most of the films in 2006. They're good. They're just not like slammed. But I also like, I don't know, like, cause then we're, we're saying that like Dances with Wolves like came out in 2006 and would have been as big in 2006. I, I kind of think yes. Even if it came out now, it would be canceled probably or just destroyed but uh if it came out then i still think it would have been like a big deal i don't know i, I could see it happening but those those were the five best picture nominees we didn't even talk about the other ones obviously but i think we both would you put goodfellas here as the winner if you were going to actually redo it yeah i would vote of these five i would vote for goodfellas um i i'm also like not a big awakenings fan like i another one i have not i know i know so many people who love that movie and i'm just like i've never been into it a totally fine movie weepy yeah. kind of like drama again big big hollywood movie uh yeah with and like a de niro performance and i guess Williams. i would rank i would rank it goodfellas ghost um i don't know i don't care i don't really care about the last three so i would if it was me i would do goodfellas ghost godfather three awakenings dance with wolves probably yeah i, I don't mm. ghost is a great movie so i came up with the my Alternate five, I actually found relatively easy to tell me, or, or additional five, if this was like a 10 nominees choice, tell me what you came up with. But I got uh, The Grifters uh, well, nominated. Yeah, Stephen Frears was nominated Steve, for director. Stephen Frears nominated for director, Angelica Houston for best actress, and uh, Annette Benning for best supporting actress. So, plus a screenplay nomination. So, it was clearly a beloved movie, solid movie. I have Reversal of Fortune, uh, yes. another best director nominee. Um, uh, Barbette Schroeder uh, and also Jeremy Irons wins Best Actor. So I feel like that was an easy one. I put Dick Tracy in there because it had a ton of nominations. I think it had six or seven, right? Um, Yeah. And it won, I think, three, right? Yes, it won three Oscars, had seven nominations. So I put that in there. Um, I have Cyrano de Bergerac, had six nominations as well um, and had a Best Actor, oh, five nominations, excuse me, and had a Best Actor nomination for Gerard Depardieu. 
So I thought Cyrano was an easy one. And then I put Pretty Woman in uh, because it was the top, you know, blockbuster hit with, you know, Julie Roberts in there. I think you can make the case for Misery as that last one as well. That would be my 10, but I, I, I kept Pretty Woman in. I would put Home Alone in there. I had Home Alone on my alternate list. I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Great movie. Home Alone, um, yeah. Like, it's also like, this is the era of when box office mattered too. Right. So, well, that was why I went with Pretty Woman instead of Home Alone. I mean, those were the top three films. It was Ghost, Home Alone, and Pretty Woman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so. Again, great. If that was the 10, great lineup. Even if it's Home Alone or Pretty Woman and the other nine, that's great. Yeah. yeah, I don't like know. You, if, and like, I think if you show that list to um, like casuals, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's definitely like representative of 1990 in film." Yeah, more so than the actual five nominations. Or yeah, great, uh, great stuff. So, best director will go here next. We talked about this. Kevin Costner wins uh, for Dance with the Wolves. Uh, sure, I, Scorsese should have won. Obviously, the other nominees were Francis Coppola. Stephen Frears for The Grifters, and Barbette Schroeder for Reversal of Fortune. So no Penny Marshall for Awakenings, which I think is a somewhat of a snub, and no, uh, Jer- uh, <laughs> no, no Jerry Zucker for Ghost, another snub. I think Jerry Zucker actually should have gotten nominated, but I think because he was so closely associated with uh, comedies, he was not. Obviously, like, famous director of like, Airplane. Jerry was probably, like, sixth. Yeah, probably. Because uh, I think it would rather nominate him than Penny Marshall. <laughs> so. And then I also thought Warren Beatty could have been in here for Dick Tracy. Mm, sure. But the list of directors I have here, Joyce, is just outrageous. So the other names I wrote down, I don't think any of these would have gotten in, but it's like you have uh, Paul Verhoeven for Total Recall and Abel Ferreira for King of New York. Clearly not going to happen, but like two legendary filmmakers doing great work. Gary Marshall for Pretty Woman. Uh, you know, mainstream kind of entertainment. Tim Burton for Edward Scissorhands. I think you can make a case for like him maybe uh, maybe getting in. Rob Reiner for Misery, I thought was, I'm surprised wasn't more seriously considered. Mike Nichols. Yeah, I would nominate uh, Rob, but I, I, it, I, don't, I don't think like, like that genre. Um, I mean, it's, it's still kind of amazing that Kathy Bates won for <laughs> Misery, you know? Yeah. So... I, I don't think they were ready to do more than that for like a horror, no. like a Stephen King horror film. And then uh, Mike Nichols, Postcards from the Edge, and Cronenberg for David Cronenberg for Reversal of Fortune, I thought were all uh, possibilities as well. Yeah. Um, I would just say, like, the, yeah, I think like Jerry was probably six and like Penny was probably after him. I don't even know how close Penny would have been. I- I think not close at all because of the yeah. sexism of like the industry and probably not taking her seriously. So I would say like Jerry was probably six for sure. And then maybe like a Mike Nichols or Cronenberg for reversal of fortune or something like that. But it was like, you know, or Alan Pacula for like presumed innocent, maybe. Right. Is, didn't he direct presumed innocent? Mm, yeah. But I don't think he will get like best director nomination. I'm saying even maybe not, maybe not best director, but probably ahead of, uh, ahead of Penny Marshall. I mean, I mean, Awakening's got a Best Picture nomination, so. True. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, it's wins. like so. It's like like so insulting, you know. Like, we'll nominate your film for best. It's it's like purposefully like snubbing her, and it's like obviously it's like the directors. Nominated. Well, they kind of snubbed the whole movie. It only had three nominations. 
yeah but it's it's like it still made it in to the top prize you know right it's, it's i mean it's like well it's like each individual branch like summing the uh, the other parts sure, of it sure yeah very very fun uh but that's a great list of directors just those ones that i mentioned like not even mike nick i mean like that's like all-time directors you're doing stuff anybody i didn't mention joyce spike lee for mo Beta blues you think uh academy of after i mean are we, are we just like listing people now or people who have actually <laughs> not, like we can listing people who directed movies in 1990 who directed teenage mutant ninja turtles uh best actor joyce the winner is jeremy irons playing klaus von bulow in reversal of fortune costner a nominee here for dance with wolves de niro for awakenings depardieu for cyrano and richard harris for the field directed by jim sheridan i, yeah, say, I would man. nominate ray Liotta. So like, let's go, let's go there. I, the two people I wrote down who actually should have gotten nominated are Ray Liotta and Macaulay Culkin. Yes, same. So Macaulay Culkin nominated for a Golden Globe, lost the Globe, so rude. I, I honestly would probably boot De Niro for Awakenings. It's a stunt performance and not like, this feels like one of them. It's a funny that you have, we actually Again, have a, a Merrill performance. In I, here I don't as well. like, I don't care for Awakenings at all. So like, they like, can't, like, yeah, him and Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> sure i would probably dump de niro and i might dump richard harris only because i have not seen the field apologize i apologize to richard harris stands out there uh but ray Liotta absolutely should have gotten nominated i don't under actually i i kind of understand why but like man it's just such an amazing performance like not just because he's like a rest in peace ray Liotta, but like wow he just absolutely dominates the movie the voiceover is like impeccable the best readings, line readings of all time. I feel like he's just like the greatest voiceover artist in this movie. The performance is great. Uh, he does so many different things as Henry. He makes him so likable and so seductive. And obviously you know better than to think he's likable and seductive and it still works. Just a- absolute movie star performance. Holds his own with De Niro and Pesci and Paul Sorvino and Martin Scorsese. And I don't understand how he didn't get nominated. I, I just don't. It- he could have won here, to be honest. It, it's funny because his yeah his voiceover in the film is great um and better than costner's and dances with wolves <laughs> yeah it, it's a superior um, performance yeah and i i i don't because i don't think he got i mean there are fewer like critics awards back then too so i'm like he didn't win any of those so i don't know maybe he was like too newish at the time or i don't know but it's like it's like the lead performance and it's very much like the vein of um you know like leo's performance in like wolf of wall street absolutely and and obviously leo got the the nomination for wolf of wall street it is and i think the the issues probably without having a time machine are that a you're right like he's like a relative unknown and more known of as a, a supporting actor going into this because he was in something wild obviously Jonathan Demi that was like his breakout and then Field of Dreams plays Shoeless Joe uh and that was like a very nice performance with Costner so yeah. you know uh and this I just think that I think that's part of the problem and I think again the response to the movie he's not a guy you're necessarily rooting for and the last half of the movie or last 35 minutes of the movie he's just awful but it's amazing. And like, I think that's just like a tough line for people to go, a tough journey for people to go on, especially when they're like Oscar voters who uh, are celebrating mediocrity as Harvey Keitel would say. So 
Uh, Joyce, like the white saber and like uh, dances with wolves. So yeah, gotta have the white saber in there. Joyce, you're the Home Alone expert, so so why don't you wax eloquently about Macaulay Culkin here? Because I agree, he should get nominated, but why? Like he is the movie, a, a literal child carrying the whole movie. Um, like he's no co-stars for what like eighty percent of the movie. It's just him inside the house, and yeah, obviously star making turn. Um, iconic performance now. Yeah, memes all around. And I sometimes I feel like if the if Kevin were a girl, like the lead character were a girl, like maybe I don't know if like they would have been nominated, but maybe they would have better shot because we know they like young girls right. and not young boys. Yeah. I, so, I can, but also I it's a comedy that. and that's like, you know, they have their comedy bias. They do have a comedy bias, but like yeah, I don't know. I think he could have gotten. Do you think if Home Alone is today, do you think he gets nominated or like last year, let's say? No, like they still don't. It's 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 kind of like what we do, you know, with like Jacob Tremblay and like Room, you know, and that's like a right. full on drama with a Best Actress winner. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I don't think like they're. Well, I think they they probably would try to like run him in supporting somehow too you know, because he's a child. <laughs> I definitely think they would run him in supporting because it's a high, high, I think there's a high qualification to get into Lee, Joyce. So he probably yeah. would not cut. It's, it's it like Will Ryder, Keisha Castle-Hughes, like who's right. the lead, the whale? Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. but yeah, he should have definitely been nominated. Because it would just, it's like, like everyone knows that performance. Everyone has seen that movie. It's a legitimately, I mean. And if it's like miscast, like that movie would not work. <laughs> it's a legitimately all. good performance. He's really yeah. good. He is actually really good in it. it it's a very fun performance. Uh, the other people I wrote down, none of these I think would have made it in, but I'll just shout them out. Uh, Johnny Depp or Edward Scissorhands. I think, you know, this was like an early Johnny Depp performance that people were like, oh, we like Johnny Depp. And he's like a young, a young actor poised to be like a De Niro type basically, right? Or in that vein. Uh, Richard Gere for Pretty Woman. I don't think would have gotten in at all, but big movie. His actress component gets in, so maybe uh Swayze for Ghost I actually think maybe I would put right behind Leota and Culkin I think Patrick Swayze is amazing in Ghost I would nominate Swayze but again I think it's just not the type of performance they kind of go for the romantic lead you know I think right. that's like tough and then I I actually think Al Pacino in part three of Godfather rules and I think he can make it in I don't think I'd put him in ahead of the three people like Leota Culkin and Swayze but I'd put him on my list and do you like I was is Khan leader supporting in, in misery? You could fudge him. Mm, yeah, he's like borderline. I um I would like because I when I think of misery, I just think of Kathy Bates. So I could like I'm I'm totally fine with like he runs in supporting. So I'll, I'll save him for supporting, but I really like that performance. I actually think he's he's good. Uh, did you write anybody else down here? No, those were that's it. The only ones. Uh, and you don't uh, list we, every single actor in a film like you do. So. Like you said, uh, <laughs> Jeremy Irons wins Reversal Fortune and a good speech. Very, uh, you know, uh, he, like he like I said, he he definitely wanted it. He thanks Cronenberg. He thanks Glenn Close and, and Ron Silver. And the well, whole speaking movie. of like borderline performances, like he's he's kind of supporting in that film too because it's not really about this. Is like the the heyday of lead actors who are not lead actors will have Anthony Hopkins wins next year or of this ceremony. So, you know, 
It is interesting. Um, yeah. For best actress, like we said, Kathy Bates wins for Misery. I love this lineup. It's a really great lineup. Angelica Houston for The Grifters, Julie Roberts for Pretty Woman, Meryl from Postcards from the Edge, and Joanne Woodward for Mr. and Mrs. Bridge. Uh, love this lineup. The only two people I like wrote down three people were Demi Moore for Ghost, Sherilyn McLean for Postcards from the Edge, I thought could also be a lead. I don't think I would throw yeah, her in support. She's supporting. another one who could go supporting. But she could go supporting. And then Glenn Close for Reversal of Fortune. Yeah, I would nominate Glenn. The problem is, who do you knock out here? I guess the obvious one would be like, or an easy one would be Joanne Woodward, but I think that's a good performance. I don't know. And she's a legend. Yeah. Um, like that, that was just another like Joanne and Paul joint. Yes. I mean, we've done a lot of these almost every time we do these, there's a, a placeholder Meryl nomination, but she's- But I love that, like, I love that movie and I love her performance. Absolutely awesome. She, it's like one of her best performances in a great yeah, this movie. Is, this is not a filler nom, like Music of the Heart. No. Yeah. And uh, Julie and Pretty Woman is a, like an iconic, like amazing performance, yeah, I think. star-making performance. And the Grifters and Angelic Houston rules. I think that's just like a prime Angelic Houston performance. And obviously Kathy Bates for Misery winning. And like we said, she's very excited to win. She's like, I always wanted this. I wanted to say this. It's a great moment. The uh, both actress lineups are better than the actor lineups. Yeah. Like I honestly would not make changes. I, I guess you could put Glenn Close in, but this is a solid five. Uh, this yeah. is like one of the most solid fives we've had. And again, it's so cool that Kathy Bates won for this villainous role, like for a woman. Great. Yeah. Uh, for supporting actor, uh, Joe Pesci wins for Goodfellas. Legendary Honestly. performance, legendary role. The other nominees are Bruce Davidson for Long Time, Long Time Companion, Andy Garcia for The Godfather 3, Graham Greene for Dances with Wolves, and Al Pacino as Big Boy Caprice in Dick Tracy. Uh, Joe Pesci obviously has the great speech, It is my privilege. Thank you. That's all you need to do. No notes. Uh, yeah. I had a, I wrote down a lot here. You might be surprised, but I don't know what I would put in or out. So uh, De Niro for Goodfellas, leader supporting. Um, I would put him in supporting. So I could see him, I would put I, him he's, in. He's already in lead anyway. I, for the I would not nominate him for Awakenings. I would have nominated him for Goodfellas. I think it's like a prime De Niro performance. Tony Goldwyn for Ghost, love. I love Tony Goldwyn and Ghost, like when I rewatched it. Great um, performance. Also like hilarious, the elevator scene when he's just coughing on everyone. Cause I, I also rewatched this like, during COVID, obviously. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, he's, he would be anti-vax. I definitely want, I would put him in. Ron Silver for Reversal of Fortune, I think is like an easy one. He was an Oscar winner according to the announcer. So maybe he could have gotten in here as a nominee. And then, uh, the only other ones I wrote down were Albert Finney and John Turturro from Miller, Miller's Crossing. The movie had no buzz and was not a serious Oscar contender, but I think if you were doing it now, both of those guys would be like major, major factors here. Um, yeah, I can see that. And then Joe Pesci for Home Alone, Joyce. Though I know he couldn't, uh, got to pick one. Would you, if you had to uh, nominate him for between Goodfellas or Home Alone, what would you nominate? It's Goodfellas, but he's great in Home Alone. Holy cow. What a performance. So good. I mean, like, I, you know, big year for Joe Pesci. This is like the biggest year. In the fall of uh, 1990, he had Goodfellas and Home Alone. Yeah. Just un unmatched. Mm -hmm. It is. I like privilege. to think that he also won for Home Alone. I think he probably did a little bit. Uh, he swept through seemingly, this was like an obvious win, right? Like, uh... it was, no, because uh, Bruce Davison 
won the globe so it was like i think he was like the slight favorite um but i think you know pesci just complete scene ceiling performance correct just Um, iconic yeah and then like coupled with like home alone as well so um and yeah uh it's it's godfellas only win um i don't like i think like graham green would have been a good win as well like that's a really good performance um and yeah Pacino. i mean the al pacino nomination i think is <laughs> a, a waste and a filler like but this is when they were just like continuing to nominate him and he, he hasn't won yet at this point pretty wild uh and i love andy garcia in godfather 3 he's actually quite good it's a good it's like a breakout performance i would say for andy garcia certainly um Supporting actors, like we mentioned, Whoopi Goldberg wins for Ghost. Just an incredible uh, comedic performance that works. uh, Annette Bening for The Grifters, Lorraine Bracco for Goodfellas, Diane Ladd for Wild at Heart, and Mary McDonald for Dances with Wolves. Uh, Uh, Yeah, so lots of uh, tidbits in Inside Oscar. Regale me with the tidbits, Joyce. (laughs) Um, Which one should I start with, Diane or, or Mary? I mean, Mary's uh, like she, she, it doesn't have anything to do with her or anything she did. It's just what was written. Yeah. Why don't you uh, do Mary first? Mary, hold on. Let me. I will so, say, I was looking it up. When, yeah, when yeah. they're in the, cha- in, in the section about Dances with Wolves, they're talking about like how like Kevin Costner got the movie off the ground. Um, so Costner was willing to bow to Hollywood convention in two respects. The film would include a love story involving a white woman who conveniently happened to be adopted by the tribe already and would have Costner's customary nude scene. So, so then yeah. later when in the section about the nominations or, or oh no, like predictions. So, oh no, I guess, uh, well, yeah, it's fine. Um, pundits decreed that the one sure thing outside of Dances with Wolves was supporting actress contender Whoopi Goldberg, who was facing the grifters and at Benning, Dances with Wolves' white woman Mary McDonald, Goodfellas, Lorraine Bracco, and Pasta Chef, Diane Ladd. So the Pasta Chef thing. Yes, context, Joyce. Because um, in the section about campaigning, uh, so Ladd wrote letters to members inviting them to borrow uh, one of the tapes of uh, Wild at Heart. She estimated that 300 voters saw Wild at Heart this way. The actress went so far as to invite Academy members over for spaghetti dinner and a movie afterward. 20 took her up on it, including Esther Williams, Abe Vigoda, and longtime friend Shelley Winters, who later made phone calls for the cause. Wow. Diana had working it. Good for her. Uh, yeah. I, I will say, I, I don't want to give the answer any credit, but I it's funny to me that they at least were not like, we're going to have Mary McDonald play a Native American. Like we have to have a white actress playing a Native American. At least she stayed white. <laughs> at least she stayed white. Yeah. Like I, it's the, the lowest of low bars. But honestly, when I read that last night, or when you sent it to me, I was like, I'm surprised that they actually thought that carefully about it. <laughs> it's like, we're still going to be problematic, but, but we're not, not going to make her a Native American. Yes. We're going to be problematic, <laughs> but not as problematic as maybe you. Think. That's how we're going to be very, it's progressively problematic choice. That, yeah. that, that was that was their thinking here. Uh, this is a tough category. I don't know. Wh- who else did you write down here? Um, I did. 
Oh, I, I had Shirley in here if so, she went. Um, yeah. Recording. We could do I that. Think she, I think she could. I think definitely now, if the movie came out now, they would split them up. Um, I, yeah. I don't, I think, let me check the globes. Where was she in the globes? Let me ask you this. I think they, I think that's right. I think they would have split them up. She was Shirley, nominated in supporting at globes. So Shirley McLean, if she gets nominated, does she beat Whoopi Goldberg? No. I don't think so either. No. Um, uh, I also have a uh, Diane Weist from Everett Scissorhands. Nice. And Winona for Mermaids. <laughs> and I wrote down uh, Madonna for Dick Tracy. Of course you did. <laughs> but, and then this one, I, again, a, a few years early, but Marsha Gay Harden for Miller's Crossing, which would again, never get nominated, but she's awesome in it. It's like a really great performance. Uh, Marsha only gets nominated uh, without hitting any precursors. Right. And so this is the era of like basically no precursors. So right. it's too early for her. <laughs> uh, and then Whoopi wins. And then now we usually go through screenplay. Uh, and we could go back to the ceremony because there was some other stuff I wrote down. But the screenplay, Ghost wins original screenplay. Woody Allen at the then customary nomination for original screenplay for Alice. Barry Levinson for Avalon. Peter Weir for Green Card. And Witt Stillman for Metropolitan. Just a wild list of nominees here. Um, yeah, I'm totally fine with Ghosts win. Me too, but I would have stumped for Pretty Woman and Home Alone in here as well. Yeah, I would have nominated Home Alone. And then for adapted screenplay, Dance with Wolves wins over Goodfellas, which is just a crime. The script for Goodfellas is like un- no notes, completely perfect. I mean, I have not read the novel by Michael Blake. So, um, but, you know, he adapted his own book yeah. and I know he... I know like, like Kevin Costner had like encouraged him to like continue writing because they had worked together on like an earlier film. Right. So he encouraged him to write this book and then he optioned it obviously. So I think it's like a nice story and his speech is great. His speech was great and like very cool, but like Goodfellas should have won. Awakenings, the other nominee, Steve Zalian. Uh, well, so the other thing about Goodfellas is Scorsese co-wrote the script. No, doesn't co-write a lot of scripts, no. obviously. And I think like in the, the current era, like we always talk about like how like the screenplay awards is like a consolation prize if you're not gonna win best picture or something, you know? So they could have taken care of Scorsese here too. I think if, if it was the current era, this would have been a Black Klansman win for Scorsese. Yeah, like that's, yeah. Like you knew like Spike was not winning. Spike was not winning anything else, but he was gonna win because he was a screenwriter and that's it. And I think mm-hmm. that would have happened here. Awakening Steve Zalian, a future winner. Uh, Donald Westlake adapting his own, uh, excuse, Donald Westlake adapting Grifters and Reversal Fortune, Nicholas Kazan. Uh, pretty dope, dope list of nominees, honestly. But uh, yeah, I would go Pelleggi and Scorsese for Goodfellas. The book so, wise guy so is so good. let's say like Goodfellas won this category with their, I guess like what would have been the level of outcry for Scorsese to win an Oscar for directing? I think would, not as big. He would still be an Oscar winner. I think not as big, but I still think The Departed against the competition would have won. Like, who, what are the directors that year were just not on the level? Uh, it was Clint, again, who had won two years prior beating him. <laughs> right. For a movie that wasn't as, like, well-received. So, yeah. I don't um, think Clint would have won. Yeah, so he, he could... Yeah, like, I think... I, and I think people would think it's weird that he won an Oscar for writing because yeah. people don't think of him as a writer. He's not like a writer, director, auteur, like some people are. Correct. 
so the ceremony dress, just a few things I wrote down here uh, before we wrap up. Uh, let's see. Edward, Edward Scissorhands edited Bonfire of the Vanities. Great joke, Billy. Bonfire of Vanities is like the biggest novel. Tom Wolfe, uh, the, 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 uh, the Devil's Candy is a great book and also a podcast if you don't want to read like myself. I'm not a reader, Joyce, as you know. Uh, so you could listen to No, you to can't that. even finish chapters. <laughs> no, I can't even finish chapters. So uh, great book, great podcast about the, the fraud production. Just, just a disaster from minute one. But it's a funny year because you have De Palma and Scorsese and Coppola all making movies, really. And Scorsese is the only one who's is an unequivocal success, I would argue. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. What do you think Tom Cruise said to Nicole Kimmon when Joe Pesci won? He whispers something to her. And like repeatedly whispered something and she's just like nodding like, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it was something very pedantic. That guy's in Goodfellas. Like telling her something she already knows or like maybe it's like, like he deserves that or something. And she's like, yeah, I know we've talked about this. So you mentioned Annette Benning uh, doing uh, Bugsy at the time, right? They were, I think they were filming it. Well, in Inside Oscar, um, she like was wearing a dress that she borrowed from the set of Bugsy. They announced her, I thought this was great. Billy Crystal among his announcements says, Annette Benning will soon be seen as Catwoman in Batman 2. Why are they making another one? Uh, and uh, that's hilarious. I actually had to go back and look it up. She was of course cast as Catwoman. And Batman yeah. for uh, Batman Returns, and then she had to drop out because sh she got pregnant. Yes, so she was yeah. having child with Warren Beatty and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, who really wanted to play Catwoman, ended up with the role, and the rest is history. Michelle Pfeiffer, I think we could argue, probably should have been an Oscar winner for Catwoman or Batman Batman Returns. And yes, well, we haven't done that year, so when we get to that year, we'll get to it soon, I guess. Uh, Kim Basinger and Alec Baldwin do the score. Uh, a just deadly, deadly sex joke that. Kim Basinger has to say to crickets. It, yeah, it was it was rough. And then like Alec Baldwin goes like this. It it is awful. And they had like just started dating at this point. Yes, too. Yes. So it was um yeah, like just I, I don't I don't know how I feel about like when they have like couples present, like real life couples oh, present. It's so uncomfortable. That one was like rough. they did that with like uh Ryan Phillippe and Reese Witherspoon one year, and then like that that joke was that he was about to open and announce the winner. And then she's like, can I do it? And then he says, you make more than me, go ahead. And then they split like a year later. Mm. <laughs> uh, so the, the score, the category, I would have given it to surprise Home Alone, even dance. though I think the Dance with Wolf score is really good as well. So the funny thing about Dance with Wolf score is it's by John Barry, who obviously is famous for his James Bond music. And when they started playing it, I did not thought of Dance with Wolves in a long time. And when I started playing, I was like, Oh, this sounds just like the James Bond theme. And then I was like, oh, it's John Barry. No kidding. Of course it does. So uh, I'm not surprised Dance with the Wolves won, but the Home Alone score from John Williams is legitimately iconic. The Home Alone score is as unmistakable as the house in Home Alone. Correct. It, it is of his non-Star Wars, Jaws, uh, Indiana Jones material. I think it is his best score. I think it's yeah, better and than And it's Harry just Potter. like, it, like, every type of motif that he had for all the different tones in the movies was perfect like all the cheeky like heist yes. stuff and then like the heartwarming like christmas time stuff you know it was like perfect yeah so and then going to song like we mentioned earlier sooner or later i always get my man uh from dick tracy music and lyrics by steven sondheim who is like i'm not coming to this thing uh wins congratulations steven sondheim uh the other nominees are blaze of glory from young guns i'm checking out from postcards from the edge Promise Me You'll Remember from Godfather Part 3 and Somewhere in My Memory, another nomination for Home Alone. Uh, 
I'm glad Steven Sondheim won an Oscar, but man, Blaze of Glory absolutely rules, Joyce. What a song. It should have won. Uh, I was really fascinated by the Young Guns movies. You'll be surprised to know. Uh, I was a big fan. I love Young Guns. Great movies. I love, uh, I love what, if, what If Old West, but Brat Pack. Great concept. Whoever came up with that deserves all the money they made on it, probably. You know, this is the Western that should have dominated the Oscars this year. <laughs> Uh, another one I want to talk about, uh, Richard Sel- Silbert wins uh, for production design for Dick Tracy. Just an absolute legend. There's a book uh, that's by, about the making of Chinatown, which I already forgot what it is called. So I will look it up here as we're doing it. Um, but The Big Goodbye, Chinatown in the Last Years of Hollywood by Sam Watson. So it's all about like Chinatown in the Paramount era stuff that we've seen in the offer, uh, plugging the offer here as usual. Uh, And Richard Silver is a major part of that. And he wins here for Dick Tracy. He worked on so many movies, Joyce. He did Uh, Virginia Woolf. Did Virginia Woolf. He did Facing the Crowd, Manchurian Candidate, uh, Graduate, Rosemary's Baby, Carnal Knowledge, Chinatown, Reds, Cotton Club, uh, did Bonfire of Vanities that same year, uh, worked many times with Polanski and Neil Kazan, Mike Nichols and Warren Beatty. Um, he was, his, he actually, Robert Evans named this guy the, his successor when he relinquished production uh, chief job at Paramount. He oversaw Bad News Bears in Nashville as head of Paramount, just an absolute legend. And he wins an Oscar and his speech is great. And he kind of references like, we've been here a lot and I'm like super glad to win basically, which I thought was cool. Yeah, and he also, he worked on Cheers, too. Yeah, just right. an absolute legend. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned this last night we were talking about. They have Bob Hope come out. Uh, what, what is, it's a motion picture memories? It, again, in, in the theme of, you know, the invention of movies and the, the camera, he comes out, no, no standing ovation no. for Bob Hope. Tough beat. These people. And, like, he's, like, he stands there, like, they're still applauding, and then... It like gradually, I guess it's like eleven people start standing, but still not even a quarter of the audience is standing for him. And then he makes a joke about like how old he is, basically. Like he remembers like the first Oscars, and he is old. I think he's like eighty-eight years old at the time. Yeah, and then just like a, a long speech about you know like movie memories, and then they play a pretty long montage of actors talking about their first movie memories. So it's, it's a lot, it ends, I think, and begins with Catherine Hepburn, though she's not pictured. It's just, they, they just pulled some clip, uh, like a, an audio clip of her talking. Uh, I'm not here to, to cancel anyone posthumously, but I will say the one that stood out to me was Hume Cronin going, birth of a nation. Uh, not necessarily his age well, though maybe it was the first movie he saw. Uh, certainly. Yeah, you know, sometimes your parents take you to see things, you know, if you're, especially if you're a child. Uh, Macaulay Culkin is also in this and he couldn't even think of like the first movie he saw. (laughs) Pretty funny bit. Um, And then uh, other stuff, other stuff I wrote down, Joyce. Uh, Billy Crystal does an entire extended sequence to introduce De Niro, who is introducing Dance with Wolves. And it basically is the, the pitch for Analyze This. He is doing De Niro. He's doing an impression. He's like, you talking to me? You talking to me? It's like, that's in Analyze This. Somebody clearly, he, Billy was like, what if we did this as a movie? And it worked because it was a good movie. Yeah, this is, it's, it's just like how in and out was born at the Oscars because of Tom Hanks' speech. And then De Niro introduces Dance with Wolves, which I just find like, 
just cruel, honestly. Like, why is De Niro introducing like, like Awakenings is right there. <laughs> or Goodfellas. But he gets Dance of the Wolves. And then he seemingly leaves because he's not there when they announce Best Actor. They show a photo of him. They don't show no, De Niro. maybe he was just in the bathroom. <laughs> Unbelievable it's stuff. like he knows he's not winning. So who cares? We mentioned uh, Silence of the Lambs. They have Hopkins and Jodie Foster do screenplay and they play the score. Love that moment. Jodie Foster is having the time of her life. She looks like so happy. It's like really fun. It's a great Oscars for Jodie Foster before her win, a second win next year. Yeah. Yeah, this is, it's like she knows like life is good right now. It's like the movie's a hit. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to presume to think like she's thinking I'm going to win this next year. And also like she already has one at home. So but it, it's yeah she it was a good uh presentation with them and also anthony hopkins with hair love anthony hopkins with hair and he does the he does the he does the elective voice to jody and she laughs when he's like opening up the envelope basically it's really good uh and then the last thing i wrote down and I, if you have more please jump in but i have at the end when they do the credits on youtube you can watch it just is literally like ripped off the tv so it's an la broadcast feed and one of the promos is for nightline with you downs and then well hello this is rick Dees tonight join golden girl betty white sexy yankee steve Sachs, and music from kathy dennis into the night late night tonight rick Dees, who's a famous disc, disc disc jockey had a show on from 1990 to 1991 called into the night and there you go he that night he had betty white and sexy yankee steve Sachs. you know we should find a copy of that episode I bet you it's, I'm sure it's on YouTube. I didn't go, I didn't go the extra mile and search for it, uh, but I will after we. Um, I'm, I'm just going to mention, I'm shocked. You didn't mention this at all, but Goodfellas not nominated for cinematography. Truly a crime. Michael Bauhaus, cinematographer, amazing. And we could talk here about Thelma Schoonmaker not winning for editing. Thelma has obviously won uh, multiple Oscars, so it's not like she needed to win here, but I would say Goodfellas but is- Very well edited. So. Her- crowning achievement i would argue well, also so dance of the world is obviously one editing and neil Travis in his speech he's he thanks kevin costner and he's like kevin let's do it again they never work together again very funny i mm-hmm. thought that was funny too uh but yeah thelma shoemaker should have won michael bauhaus cinematographer for goodfellas just a legendary legendary work but not gonna win i mean the cinematographer nominees are there's definitely room for him it's it's alan davio for for avalon who obviously did E.T. and Color Purple and Empire of the Sun, worked a lot with Steven Spielberg in his early, early films. Uh, Vittorio Stororo for Dick Tracy, another legend. Uh, Gordon Willis for Godfather 3, another legend. And then Philippe Rousselet for Henry and June uh, and had worked with Robert Redford and Neil Jordan. So, so we're like, we can't do three mob movies and cinematography. Like, no. No. And... I just think Michael Bauhaus did not have the juice as the other two mom movies as a name. Yeah. yeah. But absolutely should have been in here. And then editing, you have Neil Travis wins for Dance of Wolves, Walter Murch for Ghost, uh, a trio, including Walter Murch for Godfather 3, including Lisa Fruckman for Godfather 3. So you had two women nominated here, which is actually kind of cool. Thelma for Goodfellas, and then uh, Dennis Verkler and John Wright for Hunt for Red October. I mean, Thelma for Goodfellas is just like unimpeachable. Mm-hmm. If I was doing this, Goodfellas with best picture, best director, best actor, best cinematography, best editing, best screenplay. <laughs> so, and it, best supporting actor. One, one. And, you know, honestly, like, it's like maybe it was like lucky to even have one, one. Like, I could have gone home with nothing. 
Yep. Yeah. I don't know. That's all I got, Joyce. That's it. I, uh, uh, anything else here before we wrap up? Goodfellas, officially your favorite movie, not Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. Goodfellas, I've seen so many times, Joyce. So I remember the first time I saw it, so the first time I, I, I guess I saw it was, I remember vividly my parents rented it and watched it on VHS. And I was like upstairs, like looking you, down. You watched from the, the staircase. Like, I did. This I watched like a lot of it from the staircase because I was too young for it. And it's obviously incredibly violent. And then I think I must've watched it as a teenager, certainly in like high school. And then we went to college. It was like our favorite movie, me and my group of friends. And we watched it all the time, like truly to the point where we had written out this is back in the 90s Joyce so not as easily not not as much computer stuff we wrote down like a a the ultimate goodfellas like trivia quiz that we gave each other to try to see who could get the most right oh my god wait uh, so it was handwritten handwritten down to like what's the license plate on uh the the but, like was scene. one person overseeing this quiz like like a quiz master I think we kind of all did our own questions and asked each other questions. But like the license plate was like 254 Yip, Y-I-P uh, okay. in the, the Cadillac. And what was so the weather who, like? Who was the biggest Goodfellas stand then? Who won? I don't remember. I wow. mean, we probably had a five-way tie, four-way tie. Uh, just the iconic movie uh, in so many ways. I just love it so much. And this is a treat to revisit the Oscars. I will say overall... I thought that even though Dance of the Wolves, I think should not have won. And even though I was not as offended as like Janet Maslin, certainly, because I'm just like, whatever. The movie is awesome. It doesn't necessarily You know, both of it. our favorite movies lost Best Picture. Yeah, that's true. Uh, which is fine. I, like I, I've said before, yeah. I prefer when movies I like don't win because when movies you like win, it's not as much fun. And I never really like expect what I like to do well or exceptionally well because I just know my taste does not generally align with oscar voters tastes right so. um but yeah watching the ceremony i thought it was really good and like again it's only a three and a half hour ceremony and they did multiple and uh, like uh, honorary oscars we didn't even mention the honorary oscars no, I was just like sophia loran got one Miriam loy who was never nominated at like competitively for anything at all she gets one and she uh accepts via satellite pulls a joe pesci just says like thank you <laughs> This was a big year for Via Satellite at the Oscars. I feel like based yeah. at, you may be bur, uh, spurred by the coverage of Desert Storm. The Oscars were like, what if we did a global thing and we could go to, we'll go get our satellite coverage ready. Uh, yeah. And then they, they also did the Falberg to David Brown and um, Richard, Richard Zanuck. Zanuck. Yeah. And then, so they didn't, the, the category of visual effects did not exist yet. Um, but they gave uh, like their special achievement award to Total Recall for its special effects. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, love, love that. And then the, uh, the performers of Joyce, we had, we didn't talk about the music, but Madonna does sooner or later. A children's choir does Somewhere in My Memory. Reba McIntyre does Checking Out from Postcards. Bon Jovi there for Blaze of Glory. And Harry Connick, Promise Me You'll Remember the Love Theme from Godfather Part Three. I mean, we could have had Academy Award winner John Bon Jovi. I mean, I'd, I'd be here for it, honestly. And then Billy ends the ceremony with the horse and goes, go see City Slickers. June 12th. <laughs> June 12th. I'm, 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 a billion people are watching. What, am I not going to plug it, he says? Yes, Billy. And then, go, plug away. A year later, Jack Collins, Win. Oscar Win. winner. <laughs> and Billy hosting again. Yeah. Uh, just a great time. This is a good Oscar choice. So uh, we'll wrap it up here. We'll be back with another 90s one. What ones do we have left? I think we have three left. We have to do Unforgiven. Unforgiven, Schindler's. And then American Beauty. 
So maybe we save American Beauty for last. Well, well maybe, yeah, because 1999 is the best year ever. Yeah. So. so let's go. We'll, we'll do Unforgiven next, I think, Joyce. That, that we'll, we'll get on record. I, I feel like we've talked about that year enough yeah. in relation to other years. Yes, <laughs> so it should not be It should not be as long, maybe, for, for, <laughs> for those who have made it this far. No all right, Joyce. <laughs> Bye. For all things Hollywood competition and awards, head to goldderby.com. Follow us on social media at Gold Derby.